Today's scripture reading can be found on page 715 of the Church Bible. It is Luke chapter 16, verse 18. Uh, if you'd like a Bible, you may raise your hand and uh, Andy will bring, bring a Bible to you. If you don't have a Bible at home or you need one, um, you're welcome to take it home as a gift from uh, Cornerstone. One more over here. Okay, Luke Chapter 16, verse 18. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery, and the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The word of the Lord. It's kind of an odd verse to just read by itself. Andy pointed out to me, like, "Ah, divorce is adultery. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. But we do believe that. We do believe it's all God's word. I've never had anyone describe any of my sermons as racy before. So that's a first uh, for me tonight. Uh, There are some more mature themes. uh, So it looks like everyone in here uh, can handle it. But just as an FYI to parents uh, before I begin. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you for your grace. And how you just, you give your grace to us. And so I pray that your, your grace would just be abundantly clear in this sermon, uh, but that you would also teach us what you want us to know about divorce and remarriage. This is an important topic. Uh, we love you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. I think uh, I'm a bit naive. See, when I chose to preach on divorce and remarriage, I thought it would be an easy sermon. I'm preaching on one verse, right? How hard can it be? Don't the majority of pastors and scholars and theologians agree about what the Bible has to say about divorce and remarriage? No, they do not. (laughs) The more I studied the topic, the more I realized what I don't know. But I'm still going to try to do the best I can to unpack what the Bible has to say about divorce and remarriage. I also know that some of your stories include divorce and remarriage. So you may have spent a lot of time thinking and praying through what the Bible has to say. So after the sermon, I'm going to linger up front and we can have a little group Q&A discussion time if you want to come up and talk about anything that I've said. I would be uh, more than glad to talk about it. I admit I don't have all the answers, but I do want to know what the Bible says. At the end of the day, whether you're married, single, or divorced, we want to obey God's word in every aspect of our lives, so we need to know what his word says. Now, one pastor that I read Uh, This week, as I was studying this topic, he read his sermon manuscript to his congregation in order to be very careful with his words, because this is a sensitive topic. So I'm going to follow his lead today. I'm going to read what I've already written to you. Uh, So I hope you'll bear with me as I do that, because I want to do it in a careful way. So today, together, let's see what Jesus has to say about divorce and remarriage starting in the Gospel of Luke that we just read. I'm going to read it again. Luke 16, 18. Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery. And the man who marries a divorced woman commits 
adultery. Now this is an interesting place to start because Jesus seems to make an absolute prohibition against remarriage after divorce. Do not do it because you'll be committing adultery. We see this again in the Gospel of Mark, Mark 10, 11, and 12. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Starting with this verse and others, Pastor John Piper and others have argued that divorce is never acceptable. I'll link to John Piper's sermon, or his position paper on divorce and remarriage in the sermon manuscript that you can get on our website so that you can read it. I do not take John Piper's position. The main reason I don't agree with this position is because elsewhere, Jesus permits divorce for a specific reason. Jesus permits divorce and remarriage for sexual immorality. In Jesus' time, there was a debate between a conservative school called the Shammai and a liberal school called the Hillel. These two schools were debating the right interpretation of this Old Testament law found in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, and if after she leaves his house she becomes the wife of another man and her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, or if he dies... Then her first husband, who divorced her, is not allowed to remarry her again after she has been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Conservative Shema interpreted something indecent, which I have underlined. It's the Hebrew ervat devar, as sexual immorality, like adultery. A liberal Hillel interpreted something indecent, the same thing as anything indecent or anything I don't like, which opened wide the door for any kind of divorce. The Mishnah actually records this debate. I'm going to pull up a quote. Bet Shema say, no man shall divorce his wife unless he found in her unchaste behavior as it is stated in Deuteronomy 24.1, because he found in her ervat devar, unchaste behavior. Bet Hillel say, even if she spoiled his food, because it is said, ervat devar. Rabbi Akiva say, even if he found another woman prettier than her, as it is stated, if it happens that she does not find favor in his eyes. So you can see the difference in interpretation there. The Pharisees actually seem to mention this debate when they ask Jesus his position on divorce. Matthew 19, 3 through 6. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, 
Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, Jesus tells them that God's design for marriage is to be a permanent institution between one man and one woman for all of life, grounding his reasoning in Genesis chapter uh, 1. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. But the Pharisees, they press Jesus where he stands, and they bring up Deuteronomy 24. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? So this is Jesus' answer to the Deuteronomy 24 debate. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So here we see Jesus siding with the conservative Shema school. The only valid reason found in Deuteronomy 24 to get divorced is sexual immorality. But why didn't Mark and Luke include this? Well, Pastor Kevin DeYoung, in his sermon on divorce and remarriage, explains that Jesus doesn't add the phrase except for sexual immorality to those two sections, to Luke 16 and Mark 10, because no one in Judaism disagreed that divorce was acceptable on grounds of sexual immorality. Mark and Luke didn't have to include Jesus' exception because they figured it was a given. Everyone already agreed that sexual immorality was a valid reason for divorce. I want to take a moment and apply our first point. Jesus permits divorce and remarriage for sexual immorality. So a reason we may but not necessarily should get divorced, is adultery. If a husband or wife commits adultery by sleeping with someone else outside of their marriage, this is biblical grounds for divorce. The one who has sinned against may get divorced without sin and is free to remarry. The one who sinned and committed adultery, however, may never get remarried unless they reconcile and remarry their original spouse before their original spouse marries someone else. This means that many of the reasons given for divorce today are invalid. These reasons include falling out of love, unhappiness, one spouse just won't grow up, one person changed after marriage, they had a whole bunch of credit card debt, They're sick or dying. They're struggling with addiction to drugs or alcohol. They are spending all of our money. They don't like my family, or my family doesn't like them. This list goes on and on of invalid reasons to get a divorce. Although both men and women struggle with sexual immorality, 
I think there is a special warning for men in Matthew chapter 5. See, in Matthew 5, Jesus talks about adultery of the heart and divorce one after the other. When Jesus says, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart, that means that any man who thinks he can go to strip clubs or look at pornography and his wife can't divorce him is absolutely wrong. This is an act of adultery, even if it's an act from afar. This doesn't mean that every wife should get divorced from her husband for these sins, but that an unrepentant man who continues in these sins may create biblical grounds for divorce. Now, Jesus permits divorce and remarriage for sexual immorality. This is my first point. But is that the only reason? What about abandonment or physical or emotional abuse? So we're going to turn now to Paul. See, Paul permits divorce and remarriage for believers abandoned by unbelieving spouses. The Corinthian church had converts who had unbelieving spouses And some of them are wondering if they should divorce their unbelieving spouses. Paul says, no. But there is a situation where a believer may get divorced if their unbelieving spouse deserts them. 1 Corinthians 7.15 says this. But if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances God has called us to live in peace. So this word for bound, delu, implies that when you are married, you are under restraint and not free to do whatever you want. So to be released from restraint means that you are free to remarry if you so desire. But what does it mean for an unbelieving spouse to leave? What does it mean to be abandoned? Just like Jesus bases his Old Testament teachings on Deuteronomy 24, Paul also bases his teachings on an Old Testament passage from Exodus. Exodus 21, 10 through 11 says this, If he marries another woman, he must not deprive the first one of her food, clothing, and marital rights. If he does not provide her with these three things, she is free to go without any payment of money. So for a husband to abandon a wife meant to deprive her of food, clothing, and sexual intimacy. Paul seems to affirm these things in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Here in 1 Corinthians 7, we see several verses where spouses are to take care of each other's physical and sexual needs. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 4 says this, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, The husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. 
then we see this again in 1 Corinthians 7, 33 through 34. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. So, if the non-believer completely abandons the physical and the emotional needs of the believer, that is grounds for divorce. However, I think many people have abused the idea of emotional abandonment and physical abandonment. My husband doesn't give me what I want, so I'm out of here. My wife nags me, so I'm gone. Inherent within this text, however, is that physical abuse constitutes abandonment. When a man beats a woman, he is not treating her like a wife, but an enemy. Although Malachi 2.16 is a very hard passage to translate, we can tell that God dislikes divorce and abuse and holds any man responsible if he does those things. Malachi 2.16 says this, The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Now what about if a believing spouse abandons, a believing spouse abandons a believing spouse? One either leaves or completely cuts himself or herself off. Well, you're essentially living with a housemate. The believing spouses should go through the Matthew 18 reconciliation steps. They should approach them and talk to them about their sin. If they do not repent, they should bring a witness. If they don't repent, still, he or she, whoever is living in this sin and abandoning their spouse, should be brought under church discipline. Church discipline is the act of a church publicly saying, This individual is not a Christian because they are clinging to unrepentant sin. So, you've now been abandoned by an unbeliever. It's no longer being abandoned by a believer, but by an unbeliever. Not a believer, uh, a believer wouldn't do that because that's clinging to sin. But notice, the church decides, not the individual. I can't make this judgment on my own about my own spouse. I need to go through the reconciliation and repentance process with the church. And so, if that sounds like your spouse, spouse, bring this issue to the elders and then to the church. So Paul permits divorce and remarriage for believers abandoned by unbelieving spouses. But it's not a must. See, the Lord doesn't require divorce, but desires repentance and reconciliation. We turn again to Paul in 1 Corinthians when he shares Jesus' words on divorce and remarriage. 1 Corinthians 7, 10 through 11. To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. 
A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. So just because Jesus and Paul permit divorce, and there are certain situations where divorce is not sinful, that doesn't mean we should go or we have to get divorced. The Lord prefers for husbands and wives to stick it out through the tough times, which will one day enrich the good times. Marriage is a covenant we make before God, Malachi 3.14. Marriage is not a human institution, but a divine institution. God has given all people, believers and unbelievers, that shows his commitment to his people. Maybe I'm naive, but I believe the gospel can save any marriage, no matter how broken. Why do I believe this? Well, because the gospel saved God's marriage. See, we believe in a God who has been divorced. I want to show you a verse in Jeremiah. Jeremiah 3.8. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery. There's another verse similar to this in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 1, if you want to look it up. God had a spouse, the people of Israel, who no matter how much he loved her and cared for her, she ran away and committed adultery with other nations and idols. She broke his covenant over and over again. She loved foreign gods and foreign powers more than she loved the one true God. No matter how much God reproved her and welcomed her back, she kept running to her own sins. She was unrepentant and adulterous. This is why God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to purchase his people forever. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Any who repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ are part of this church, the people of God. The Bible calls the church, the bride of Christ. We see this in Revelation 21, verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. You can also see Revelation 19, verse 7. Through the gospel, God is making his own marriage new. If you think your marriage is bad... God's spouse cheated on him for thousands of years. Even now, when we say that we have been saved by Christ, our hearts wander, and our hearts still commit acts of adultery against Jesus Christ. But there's good news. Jesus will never divorce his bride. Jesus will never divorce the church. The day that Jesus divorces the church, 
is the day that any of us can get divorced for whatever reason we want. But praise God, that day will never come. So in review, Jesus permits divorce and remarriage for sexual immorality. Paul permits divorce and remarriage for believers abandoned by unbelieving spouses. The Lord doesn't require divorce, but desires repentance and reconciliation. Now, I want to take the time to apply what we've learned to different situations. First, if your marriage is broken and you're either thinking about divorce or have gotten divorced already, God can restore your marriage through the gospel no matter how bad it is. We as Christians believe in resurrection hope. If God can bring life out of death, he can resurrect your marriage no matter how bad or how dead it is right now. If both believe, it's possible. And if only one believes, pray God gets a hold of the other spouse's heart and then keep believing. If you've been divorced for unbiblical reasons, Confess this sin and receive God's forgiveness. Divorce, for unbiblical reasons, is not the unforgivable sin. Unrepentance is the unforgivable sin. And if you are unable to reconcile with your spouse, and if you have been divorced for unbiblical reasons, you should remain single for the rest of your life. If you are divorced and considering remarriage, Make sure your divorce is biblically permissible and that you are without sin. A good way to discern this is to explain your situation to the elders. Let us help you and correct you if you're wrong. But also recognize that if you get remarried, even though it's biblically permissible to someone else, God won't produce a miracle. You are saying God won't produce a miracle in your ex's life and bring them back to God and to you. There is no possibility of marriage reconciliation. If you are considering marrying someone who has been divorced, do not rush into that marriage. Take the time to examine whether their divorce was biblically permissible or not. If it was unbiblical, cut off the relationship immediately and do not go back to it. If it was biblical, take the time to investigate what issues in the marriage led to the adultery or abandonment because there are two sides to every story. Know that if you marry them, you make marriage reconciliation with their previous spouse impossible. If you realize their divorce was not biblical, but you still plan to marry them and ask for forgiveness later, don't do it. You don't want to start down the road of disobedience. It's a hard road to turn back from, especially after sinning in such a vital area. If you are divorced and remarried, but your original divorce was not biblically permissible, permissible, Don't divorce your second husband or wife to remarry the first spouse. Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4 prohibits this. And in Matthew 19, 9, 
Jesus considers even unbiblical, an unbiblical act of remarriage to still be marriage. Two divorces does not make a right marriage. Instead, repent of the act of adultery you committed by getting remarried and receive forgiveness. Maybe you're wondering why, especially if it's been a long time. Well, unconfessed sin, no matter how long ago, still has control of us. Confess, receive forgiveness, and commit your current marriage to the Lord, and he will bless you for it. Finally, if you are single, but you are thinking about marriage one day, or if you are happily married and expect to never get divorced, don't look down on those who have been divorced and never boast, I will never get divorced. Instead, say, I must never get divorced. And pray, God, would you help me be faithful to my spouse? Take time to pray for the marriages in our churches and families that God would keep them strong. Now, I want to end by praying for the marriages in this room, but that took a little bit less time than I thought it would because I was reading instead of talking. Uh, So this is a little out of turn, but I'm going to go ahead and ask if there are any questions about what I have just said. And I can try to answer off the cuff uh, to you. Any questions about divorce and remarriage and what the Bible has to say? I won't bite your head off, don't worry. All right. Well, if there's no questions, I'm going to stay up here after the service and you can come talk to me, especially if you wanted to to say your question a little bit more privately, that's fine. This is kind of a, 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 a tough topic. Um, but if there are really no questions, last call, then I'm going to pray for the marriages in this room and against divorce, uh, but also for repentance and reconciliation for those who have gone through it. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for marriage. Thank you for what Christ has done for us to win us our salvation, to win us as his bride, and then he's never gonna divorce us. Uh, He's committed to us, even when we don't act like we're committed to him. Help strengthen our faith in the groom, in in our husband, in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray for the marriages in this room. I don't know where all of them are at. Maybe they're all strong, and I give you praise for that, but maybe there are some struggles. I pray that you would strengthen every marriage in this room, or even if there are spouses that aren't here, strengthen those marriages. Keep them strong. Protect them from the evil one. Protect them from adultery. Protect them from sexual immorality, from abandonment. Lord, protect them. If there are marriages in this room that have some deep problems, some deep troubles, Lord, you convict the spouses that that needs to be their number one priority in their life, getting that right, getting right with you and getting right with each other. Help the spouses deal with sin issues and help each spouse look at themselves before pointing the finger at the other. 
examining our own hearts before we examine their sins. Yes, Lord, we want to love the sinners and we want to hate our own sin. And Lord, I, I pray against adultery. I pray against divorce. I pray for the single people in this room. Those that maybe are thinking about marriage one day or have no desire to think about marriage. Maybe they're dating or even engaged. Lord, I pray for them that they would enter into these heavy commitments with eyes open to who they're marrying, but also to you. That this is a commitment before you. This is not something that we should just rush into. This is something that we should take seriously because you've instituted it. Marriage is your institution. Lord, thank you for uh, this message. Thank you uh, for any questions that may come later. We love you, and we want to honor you with every aspect of our lives, especially our marriages. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.